Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode I chat to Benedict Lee of Reckoner Industries about their puzzle-driven midi-stack inspired adventure game Signal State. It's my desperate attempt to try to summarise what Signal State is. It's, you know when you get hi-fis or separates? That's a bad example. If you have like a midi-stack, if you know what one of those is, lots of different components like synthesizers, even better. And you have little components and modules and what this is about is sort of simulating that, but turning it into like a puzzle game where you have to get a very specific tone and signal and key to actually make something work. It's ingenious and it's a wonderful game. And there's characters in it and questions and you're being told to do things. You don't know why you're doing them, but you do them anyway. We all do that in life sometimes. And it's... It, feel like you're being led by the nose, you know, don't know why you're doing these things, but you do them, and it's just, I said already, but it's a really well put together game. Of course it is, because I always say that, don't I? I noticed that. Thank you. But every game I feature on The Sausage Factory is very well put together. That's a given. But this is really entertaining. Not enough people are talking about it. It's a fantastic game. Really honoured to have benedict on the show to talk about its creation so let's hear me talking to benedict about the creation of signal state shall we let's do that chris please get us out of this mess benedict hi who are you and what do you do that's a good question probably the hardest one to answer um i'm benedict i'm i'm a game developer from singapore um co-founder of uh, Reckoner Studios, which is, you know, our, our indie game studio that we just started up. Um, and we just released our debut game, The Signal State. Um, it was, it's our first sort of commercial project. And, you know, I, I made this, you know, I should, rather we made this, but I'm the primary developer um, straight out of university. And um, it was sort of based a bit on a, on a, on a student project that I made in university. And this is sort of like the expanded, um, full fleshed out version of that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, this then leads me on to my next question then, which is how did you make your start making games? And I would like you to sort of really go as far back as you can because it, it's you obviously had an interest in it way before you started going to university and stuff like that. So talk us through that embryonic stage where you're like, oh, yeah, I could make these rather than just play them. Yeah, yeah. So it's, the I mean, the exact the exact spark was kind of, it's been lost to the, you know, the, the fog of time. Yeah. I don't really recall, but I, I do remember like one of the things I really recalled was, um, I, when I played Warcraft three, like, you know, that, that was a seminal game for, for me and for a lot of people, it was, it's, it was, it was a, a massive hit in itself. Right. But it had a map editor and you know, that map editor is the thing that gave birth to like Dota. Right. But yeah. like, I remember yeah. spending a lot of time just making maps in Dota just and sorry, making maps in Warcraft three, just because it 
it was more fun than playing Warcraft 3 because ironically, I don't even really like RTS games that much. But making maps in Warcraft 3 was like, wow, this is really fun because I I can sculpt the terrain and, you know, I'm, it's it's all, I'm almost like being God and you can make all sorts of weird maps. And I made all of these sort of, you know, really unbalanced maps where I controlled, I had a base that was basically half the map and the other half is all the AI players that, you know, I had to crush, which was obviously quite easy. And so that was sort of the start. And I, I started learning, you know, just random stuff like RPG Maker or whatever it was called that, to make, you know, to make small games here and there. You know, I, I, I learned a bit of programming in, um, in, 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 in secondary school or, you know, what might be high school if you, from the U.S. But it, it never really stuck to me. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know why, but maybe just because I, I, it was taught in a weird way or I, I just hadn't developed enough yet. But um, I, I didn't really think of myself as much of a programmer. And then so if you're not a programmer and I couldn't draw either, then what do you do? Well, you're a designer, I guess. And so I, I sort of started learning a bit of game design and, and you know, um, in school. And then eventually I went to university. And at that point, I kind of, you know, decided that I would sort of, sort of before going to university, I sort of decided that I would want to take the whole programming thing a bit more seriously. Um, you know, um, here in Singapore, we have, we, um, we have to do military service. So during that period of time I was doing military service, I was also trying to learn programming because it's like, if you want to make games, you know, in, in a small group or, you know, if just yourself, then you kind of need to know programming, even if you're an artist, even if you're a designer. And so I kind of got decent at programming. And when I started teaching myself programming, that was when I finally sort of understood it. And I was like, ha, that, 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 that switch in the brain sort of flipped and, I, so I studied computer science in university and, you know, I, I still think of myself as a bit of a game designer for sure, which is why I designed a game, but, you know, I'm a sort of designer programmer. And I think that sort of, sort of shows in the kind of game that, that we've made, the signal state is something that is, um, you know, clearly has some influence from programming or at least about, like, you know, think about critical thinking and problem solving. And, you know, it, 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 it shows in that for sure. And, um, it seems it was just a very natural way to then translate my, you know, my skills in programming, which I've been developing over time into an, an actual game. And that sort of led us to where we are. Yeah, that's, that's really a great story. It's amazing how one's mind evolves and changes over that very critical period from the age of 10 through to about maybe 18, 20. And that, that period where you sort of like certain things are triggered, like, yes, when you are being trying to be taught these things that are so abstract and difficult to actually uh, translate into something that's tangible, yeah. uh, it, it, it didn't work because you, unfortunately or fortunately, the way things are taught when you're that younger age, and I'm not a teacher myself, so I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of teachers listening going, no, Chris, you're wrong, but it's, it's really, you know, that how uh, children relate to reality uh, is different to an adult, how an adult does, and it's difficult to, to try to communicate abstract concepts even actually to adults i find it's it's because they stop listening when you start talking yeah. about these things because it's just you can't unless it's detail because we're human beings we love detail and love mm. something tangible something we can feel uh, and see or touch or smell if you can't do that and if you're not talking about an abstract concept to be stop you most people i've found just generally switch off because I, I, I it's just, this, 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 this is not, uh, this is not uh, constructive. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And it's, I, I, it, you know. I think that's maybe why I kind of made a game like the single state, like because yeah. the way that programming so clicked for me was through learning it myself, right? Yeah. Just like just throwing my head against the wall and figuring things out rather than being taught in a specific way. And the signal state sort of embodies that a bit you know there's a bit of a tutorial but i think it's a lot of like figuring things out yourself yeah it's it, just, you know you're given this playground and you figure things out yourself i think some of the i mean i've read a lot of books on programming i only know c plus plus myself uh mm -hmm. as a language um i don't really include basic and stuff because that's the but the the the, 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 the you know the the lowest level language i know is c plus plus i don't know assembly but it's it's really I've read these books and a lot of these books are written for the person who wrote them because they're speaking about and they're describing these things in terms that they and and concepts that triggered their understanding. And yeah, yeah while, yeah. while trying to project those onto the reader, and it doesn't work most of the time. 
and uh, and then they it's it's really it's very very tough to to write about these things. One has to, uh, and I'm sure you read a few texts and and documents eventually because you were going to trouble. Like, I just don't get this. What what am I doing wrong? And you read something, you go. But that's just backwards, <laughs> uh, which goes back to when we're going to talk in the second half of the show and the signal state about the amount of times I've sat there going, but that's just backwards. <laughs> and it's many times I've found myself solving it because I had to think backwards. I call it, I call it thinking backwards. That's how I'm saying it uh, when, I'm, when I'm solving problems. And nine times out of ten, I'm going, I have to go back four stages to get, this, to, get to this end state because I'm, I'm not there yet. Um, but anyway, that's it's fascinating how, and you you, you all pointed that out. It's it's great to hear that, you know, you found that you you wanted an end, but you need to figure out what the means was. Here we go with abstract again. I'm sure list people yeah, stop yeah. listening now. <laughs> you know, but, I, I think if if it's if if any time you're trying to teach something that is a system, you yes. know, some sort of in, 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 consistent system itself, you can't teach the system without teaching the way you learn the system as well. Yeah. That makes sense. Right? <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's no, it's a, it's a system, right? Yeah. It, there's there's everything's related to each other. It's it's hard to convey that in a in in a linear format like a book or something. Yeah. Other than you have to break it down in some way, and how you break it down is very different for each person. Absolutely. I mean, one of the most transparent sort of like methods of breaking tasks down is is use of playing cards. And I actually remember interviewing someone about uh, a, a version of it's many, 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 many years ago, a version of uh, online version of Magic the Gathering, and eventually got quite frustrated with me. And he's right to get frustrated. So you do realise that cards are just programming, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, was yeah. Talk, I was just talking to him about the idea of how these cards with little pictures on them can interact with other cards with certain other symbols and pictures on them. Isn't that odd? Said, no, it's not. It's just programming in a really analogue and um, unobtuse way. It's, there it is in your face. And that's why there are so many video games that are, have cards in them because <laughs> it's just where well, you're just transposing the data directly onto a sheet and there it is before you in a rather pretty way. Uh, although if you're sort of placeholder art, it's not very pretty at all. But you know, it's it's and that's quite fascinating. Anyway, and it leads me on to our next question, which is related to what we've been talking about. And I think you might have answered this already, but that's fine. But as a creator of things, for you are that. What are your biggest influences? Yeah, that that's. I mean, again, it's one of those like really hard ones. So. Yeah. I've always been a big fan of immersive sims, I guess, uh-huh. related to the whole systems thing. Like, I think, like, Deus Ex, the original Deus Ex really changed my life and the way I think about games, for sure. Because just how expressive the world is. And I would love to make immersive sims some- someday, but then, you know, that's 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 quite a big task, so one step at a time. But, yeah, this idea of systems, I think, is something that's consistent in, in the things I like to make. So the signal state is... You know, it's really inspired by modulus and the sizes, right? And um, you know, when I I started learning music, um, I think in when in my teen years, you know, I, I started learning guitar, and then I didn't really like the guitar that much, but I was also listening to a lot of electronic music at the time, and so I started learning about synthesizers, and then like you go from synthesizers when you th- when you find this the you know a synth maybe too limited you start going to like modulus synthesizers because modulus synthesizers is where you have all the, you know, for those who don't know, like the individual components of a synthesizer are, are broken up into individual components and you can just interconnect them with cables, however you like, basically how the signal state works. And again, it's the same thing of it's a system. So it's a lot more expressive, a lot more, um, a lot more complex and a lot more sophisticated and the kind of things you can do. And, and that sort of inspired, um, the signal state, right? And uh, for a long time, uh, you know, I, I, you know, in school, I, I made all these games, and then on my own time, I'm making all these games that, you know, were just games, and then I didn't really have any like musical inspiration in them or musical reference in them. And then music is the thing that I'm also really, you know, really enthusiastic about. So I kept thinking about, you know, what's the best way to kind of bring them together? And then that's that's sort of how the signal state came about. It's, it's you know, I think I've. It's just taking influences from things that aren't games, which I think is kind of important as a creative medium. You know, if it's it's you you want to take influence from things that are of a different um, medium because that 
makes you think about games in a different way or makes you think about films in a different way or whatever and allows you to see things from a different perspective because if if i was just looking at taking inspiration from other games i don't think something like the single state would have happened for sure yeah so it's 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 a combination of a lot of different like games i've played and little ideas from there and also just like the other things that i care about outside of games music being a big one of them um you know i i read a lot of like science fiction as well I would, you know so science fiction is a big part of single state it inspired a lot of the sort of slightly cyberpunk um feel of the narrative and yeah i'd love to make a more sci-fi oriented even more sci-fi oriented game next whatever that will be that's i think the, it's really important that we do that reach beyond the the confines of video games to reach out beyond that. That's something I've said on the show before. We need more people making video games that have no interest in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just that. It's just a. It's a really sort of uh, maybe a little bit insulting way of saying, look, come on, there's more to life than 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 people on a farm and and in, in, on some desert planet and meeting some old man with a lightsaber. Uh, it's 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 it, and the the mundane. An act of mundane, doing patch cables for not only um, sort of uh, uh, synthesizers, you say, but also you could argue for network cables and stuff like that. You know, we've all seen those ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, uh, I actually installed a, a little sort of station in the back of my office that has all the sets of six generation consoles hooked up to this TV and also the mini console. So you've got about ten consoles hooked up to this telly. <laughs> It's amazing. I'm really proud of it. And I put it up on uh, on Twitter and there was, there was no cable management at all. It was just cables everywhere. And I actually sort of wrapped them around and it looked like some sort of weird alien umbilical cord sticking out from this telly. And uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, the uh, a lot of people yelled at me going, that's terrible. It's just uh, not understanding what I'd made. They, they were more concerned about the cables than what I'd actually... I said, it still works. It doesn't matter. What you've done is terrible. I said, okay. So I put some trunking in and that was such a tedious, boring task. But it reminded me a lot of what I was doing with, you know, in, in the signal state where you're actually doing what is potentially quite tedious. The game isn't. I stress that, everyone. It really isn't. But you've taken something very mundane and made it phenomenally entertaining. And it sounds like that's what you're drawing from, from, you know, taking some mundane task, although the end is not mundane, the means is. Uh, doing the patch cables and stuff, for synthesizers and stuff is quite tricky because you want to have a certain, you want to create a certain sound. You're usually aiming, yeah. unless you're experimenting. We've all done that, right? You know, let's, let's see if I can get some reverb on this and, Maybe you know that kind of stuff, and get some distortion there, and and play around with that. That's fine, but eventually you want to say, no, that's fine. Don't go any because now it's off key. <laughs> I don't like no one. You know, no one likes that too much. It gets a bit just you can't listen to it for very long. And yeah, and that's that's what you've done here. And I think that's to say that uh, you know the, the mundane is not necessarily mundane. There you go. Yeah, it's 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 um. I one of the things I was sort of concerned about was that you know the game is very skeuomorphic and that it's recreating a sort of real world physical interface yeah. and like there was a concern that like some players would be like why is it why are there so many cables what's with the the spaghetti everywhere you know yeah why isn't it all clean and tidy and <laughs> I mean to be <laughs> fair we have gotten certain reviews and users be like you know why is it like that and but then I think most people kind of see that there is a certain joy to the physicality of it yeah that. You know, yeah, it's, it's 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 the thing of like when I'm working on with actual synthesizers and you're tweaking actual knobs and connecting physical cables, there is a sense of very instinctual satisfaction to it. Even though you, you're in your brain, you're thinking something high, some higher level logical stuff about how the signal flow is like. But then at a primal sort of instinctual level, the physical act of connecting the cables and hearing the sound of the cables, you know, and the twisting of knobs, that's that's very satisfying. And I. And yeah, yeah. It seems like players get that as well, especially when you can't see the the end of the cable. You go, "Hang on, I got it. I got this. Got it. There it is. <laughs> Snap. Hey, I yeah. got it in. I think. I think. Uh, yeah, it was always that sort of question. Is is it in? I don't know. Um, so, next question: What developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? What developer is it? You mean like this? Has it the 
It could be a specific person or a company. It can be a right? person I mean, or a company. Yeah. doesn't matter. And it can be multiples uh, yeah. as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think the, the one that comes to mind is uh, Jonathan Blow. Oh, yes. The maker of Brain and The Witness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's quite a polarizing figure, I'd say. Yes. Like some of his... <laughs> Unapologetically I totally dis- so. He doesn't care about that. He's just, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, I totally disagree with a lot of his political opinions. But oh, yes. I think, yeah, there, there, he, he has a design philosophy that is very elegant and pure. Well, I, I, I'm not, not sure what the best way to describe it, but there was a, there was a, a, a presentation he did w- with um, Mark Ten Bosch at Indicate, I think, um, called Designing to Reveal the Nature of the Universe. And it, he lists out these principles of how he designs games um, in a way that, you know, to him makes a game that is truthful, that, you know, says, makes a meaningful statement about, you know, how something works that I, I found really refreshing to see a, 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 like a cohesive sort of design philosophy that isn't about this is how you make the player addicted to your game. This is how you make the player feel re- rewarded, you know, with as extrinsic rewards. It was It was a design philosophy about create conveying meaning you know and and i found that really refreshing and i think to some extent that 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 those ideas are like embedded in my brain and the way i think about how how i make puzzle games certainly at least um definitely has that has some of the element of of that philosophy or at least tries to have that element that philosophy you know um the signal status and it, it definitely is is a it's trying to make you think about these systems in a in 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 a, in a way that is that illuminates some some truth about how the, all all these modules and all this these logical principles work together with each, with each other and yeah it's definitely based on at least part on on some of the philosophies he talked about in that in that in that presentation so yeah that Jonathan Blow yeah that'll be the one I name probably no i i i i agree i love both you know braid i really enjoyed i know a lot of people don't actually uh umbrance over certain aspects of it no i thought it was a very very important game up there with fez yeah yeah um and the games that well i still play fez to this day because it's bonkers but um but then you've got um the witness as well which is a very important game and yes people say hang on this is this is uh mist i can we get in between mixed between mist and myth myth is a very different game <laughs> Sorry, Craig. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's made by Bungie. No, Mist. Uh, and uh, yeah, Mist is, yeah. I liked those puzzles. I thought they were great. Having to have, it's been so long up until that point. It was so long since I actually needed a notepad next to me to play a game. <laughs> you know, it's it is lovely. So, no, it's a, it's a good sort of, like, yeah, despite the fact that yeah, some of his issues or, or opinions and certain aspects of. Uh, society is as questionable uh yeah he's got a very sound and um strong uh understanding of self-awareness of uh, uh of the the design of games yeah the thing about the witness i remember is that like there was some this is very you would see comments on like twitter or whatever that you know why couldn't this just be like a mobile game where you just have the pattern puzzles and then you don't have this elaborate 3d environment no but then once you actually play the game then you understand that why the elaborate 3d environment is there yeah and how it totally changes the, the the feel and the mood and the the headspace that it puts you in right and the thing about the witness is that if you try to remove any element from it the game would feel incomplete you know yeah it, it, it feels very cohesive that there's nothing out of place there there's anything that feels missing perhaps per, per se no. there's nothing that feels extraneous either no it's yeah efficiency in design and if ever there is a lesson in understanding what the concept of good enough is uh, the witness is that um yeah you know, uh, which is a phrase people don't like to use but because they don't understand what it means but i know you understand what it means because it's as a creative even if this is your first published game, I'm sure you made many others that have since been lying in the half-finished state going, yeah, maybe not. But at least um, you understand when something is finished, this is good enough. Yeah. This is good. And it implies that you're half-baking something. No, you're not. No, you're not. This is sufficient. It, it's what's needed. I could, you could go on and do all sorts of things with... Um, with the signal state you really could you know that your team knows that everyone knows that but they know when to stop because if you don't it will never get released and becomes starters 
and that's the scam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the so like that, yeah. that 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 talk by Jonathan Blow that one of the principles, the design principles that that he talks about was uh, orth- orth- orthogonality, mm-hmm. where the different elements of the of your mechanics or your system, whatever, don't like overlap. Yeah, you know, and they're orthogonal to each other. That means they complement each other. That allows for new interactions that may be more interesting and. You know, when I started a single state, there was definitely a lot of like a whole bunch of different modules that I thought, okay, this might be interesting in here. Um, and eventually it got really pared on to what we have because anything else, you know, that anything else added into it would just be like an overlap in behavior to something that already existed in there. Yeah. So it's all just about keeping it to, you know, just that minimal set that is all sufficiently different from each other that it that they can all work together in interesting ways. Yes. Because the last thing you want to do is you just you you successfully do a signal, all of a sudden it turns into a platformer where you're jumping along the. No, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> Can we stick on? You know, please. Anyway, um, maybe that's in the sequel. Who knows? Um, so, last question of the first half. Here we go. Is uh, we're we're you know we're on a podcast about video games, and therefore we're legally obliged to ask this question, and it is this: What are you playing right now, Benedict? Uh, I'm playing Outer Wilds again because of the of recent DLC, Echoes of the Eye. Uh-huh. Um, Don't my say a word. Still, still, Don't yeah, I'm, yeah, okay, no spoilers, no spoilers. No, no, no. Yeah, it's, it, my opinion on the Echoes of the Eye is that, well, it is a lot scarier. Oh, a, I'll say that. Yeah, you can, you can sort of get a sense of that from the trailer. And when you boot up the game, the game tells you like, uh, Echoes of the Eye, there's some, there's some frightening stuff. You know, there's a setting in the menu you can use to keep it, make it less scary if you want. Like the game tells you that, so okay. you know. Yeah, that was you the know, Outer Wilds. Like, um, I speak as someone who has finished it. I can't stress that enough. So we both of us have got to be careful because you and I yeah, know yeah. any content, any content that we talk about in that game is bad. Is uh, you know you can <laughs> even saying there's spaceships involved. That's that's the problem. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, it's it's I'm really looking forward to playing. This DLC, um, I'm I'm keeping I'm I'm busy with other things at the moment, but I'm definitely going to be diving into it. I, I understand it's not that long, uh, but at least it's it's a nice sort of. Someone said, "How dare the developers of Outer Worlds make it Game of the Year again?" <laughs> <laughs> but are you enjoying? Yeah, it? yeah, I, I'm I'm enjoying it. I think I'm near the end. Right. Um, at least it, it sound it feels like it's near the end. Um, I it's it's it ha, it has a very different feel for sure because being a DLC they they kind of have to make it self-contained and they kind of make an you know they don't have the resource to make an entire solar system in itself um so the 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 experience I think of how you travel through the, the little secrets of of the DLC are, are it's going to be kind of different than than um the rest of the game because the rest of the game you can just sort of hop around to any planet you want anytime right so the the you know it branches out in different ways and Echoes of the Eye feels a bit more self-contained. I'll, I'll keep it at that. Yeah. But there is one moment. Yeah, there is one moment at the at the start of the DLC. I won't spoil it exactly, but you might know it when it happens. That mm-hmm. when they sort of reveal to you what you're going to explore, okay, that just feels this just feels amazing. Like right, you know it. It gives me the like, you know, if, if you've ever read like Arthur C. Clarke sci-fi novels. You know, and I read like Arthur C. Clarke stuff. Um, you know, like Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey or Rendezvous with Rama. I read that as when well, I was a teenager, and like it kind of gave me that, those sort of vibes. Okay. Um, that you know, a lot of very few science fiction can sort of do. Yeah, uh, it's just because, it's a great um, moment that it had in the game. Yeah, Arthur C. Clarke is focused on the idea that alien or something that isn't of this world yet is sentient and is you know yeah, yeah. capable of space travel was utterly it... utterly utterly incomprehensibly alien yes yeah and, and I don't think of any other video I don't think any other video game other than other outer outer wilds has been able to convey that sort of that the sort of that sort of you know cosmic you know cosmic incomprehensibility you know no other mm. game with sci-fi or aliens goes anywhere near that as far as I can tell there might be others that you and I have not played or experienced but you're right that's the yeah, one yeah, for sure. the one that uh, uh, I 
really hesitant to say it. I'm probably not going to say it. No. So annoying about talking about Outer Wilds with someone, especially who's also finished it. It's like, yeah, there's this thing that happens. <laughs> and again, it's back to the back to the abstract. But you're right. It asks very profound questions and comes up indeed, with answers indeed. that some of you, some people may find deeply uncomfortable, but they are potential answers. Leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, 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 yeah. the DLC also... I think talks about a similar theme but like has a different perspective on it that's yeah. also quite interesting yeah. yeah yeah right that's the end of the first half well done and a fantastic response it reminds me I need to download that after we're done because <laughs> I should have done that because <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, I did get it on Game Pass and I played it on Xbox because uh, there's a certain part of that game which really needs a controller I'm not going to say any more than that it might this is before it was packed oh right yeah I think I know what you're yeah, yeah. Uh, you kind of need that because otherwise well you know you become a thing uh, so uh, yeah bad things happen if you don't so anyway but they fixed it now but uh, anyway so let's move on to the second half where we delve deep into the signal state question which you probably know because you've listened to the show so you've got a guest on that's listening to the show I know shocking isn't it uh, <laughs> uh, it's not a question it's uh, you know uh, as a reference it's the earth question but uh, tell us what is the signal state right so the signal state is a open-ended puzzle slash logic slash simulation game um the, it's a Zach like you know if, if you know what Zachtronics games are like Shenzhen IO and uh, TIS 100 it's kind of like that right um, it's called a Zach like because basically they invented the genre and in the signal state you you're you're trying to the story is that you're in a sort of post-apocalyptic future and you're on an abandoned farm and you're trying to rebuild all the machinery which all the machinery is dead for some mysterious reason you're trying to rebuild the machinery and get the farm up and running again to sort of help rebuild society so to speak right and the way you do that is that you have the these uh, this interface of these hardware modules, like the hardware engineering modules, and you have to connect these modules to each other in specific ways in order to solve for certain objectives. You, you're given certain input signals, and you have to transform them, and you know, and and transform them, and um, copy them, and mix them together to create certain output signals that you then have to match, and that will then restart the machinery, and you learn more about why why the world is the way it is right now um this 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 sort of modular hardware interface is uh, inspired by like real world modulus synthesizers and a lot of the puzzles were inspired by real world modular synthesizers and it's you know it's it's a bit more of a engi- electronics engineering more hardware oriented as look at you know programming so to speak um but also just general problem solving and just general logic yeah yeah that's the single state it's not a Korg synthesizer simulator, which they did release on the DS about 
15 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? it is, by the way, everyone, yes, it is 15 years. No, it has. Stop it. It's not five years ago. Sorry. Time has a tendency to do that, especially for certain my age. Yeah, it wasn't 50. Yeah, it was 50 years ago. But yeah, I remember having a whale of a time making stupid sounds with the cork. Um, uh, it was not. It wasn't a game. It generally was a synthesizer. Just it had the yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. modules, and you could play patches. So this, so the signal state reminded me a lot of that uh, in in the interface. But the actual output and what you're trying to achieve, that's something we're going to delve into. And uh, you did a very good job describing it. I have a lot of guests who go, I don't know. <laughs> you have a go. <laughs> I've actually had guests say, I don't know, Chris. You have a go. You, you describe what it is. <laughs> But the, thank you for, for, for relieving me of that burden. Um, Those guys, they should just read their Steam store page because they had to write something for the game, right? I know. I know. But they said, no, you have a go, Chris. Go on. How do you interpret what we've made? That's what they were doing, which is lovely. <laughs> I didn't mind. So the first design question is this, and it's something that most developers, good developers, that is, really understand from the outset and look at it and can only do this from being looking at the, what they've made objectively, which is very, very hard. Yeah. And this is the amount of complexity that is presented to the player in the signal state is quite measured. How have you found design in this aspect of the game? Now, what I'm trying to explain here is that you may have seen screenshots of this game, of, of, of the signal state, where we had a you know, it's much later on in the game. We've had lots of boards, lots of cables, all sorts of mess, and it just looks like a complete nightmare. How on earth does that make any sense? How is that a game, even? But with the signal state, you've somehow managed to present increase in complexity in a very measured way, in a very deliberate and slow way to the point where you start off doing the very basics and eventually within an hour or two you're actually doing something quite complex. How have you found design in that aspect of the game? Uh, yeah, so I think there's kind of two parts to that and mm -hmm. the first one is the kind of obvious playtesting. Um, we actually didn't playtest as much as I thought we might. Um, a lot of the later puzzles were not... We didn't have a lot of playtests for the later puzzles. The, the ones we playtested a lot were the first maybe 10 or so. That's where you sort of see the tutorial. And I think that was a really key to like getting players to at least be familiar such that they don't throw their hands in the air and just quit the game. And you know, it was just making sure that the tutorial that teaches you how the interface works and how the basic principles of the game works uh, are sort of... You know, it's not that you understand them. So, when you have a complex game like the Signal State, I think you have a UI that's also pretty complex. So, and you know, fighting against the UI is just never going to be fun. So, we we made sure we had to teach the UI really well. And once we taught the UI very well, then it was just a question of okay, we teach the the um, the basic objectives and the basic sort of flow of how you play the game, and the rest of it was like you you kind of trust that the player finds that there's something inter interesting about the mechanics that they're willing to explore the rest of it themselves. And I think most of the players do. Some some don't, obviously, you know, based on their bad reviews. But yeah, so once you have that basic that you teach the interface and to teach them how to play the game and what they're supposed to do in the game, and you trust that there is enough juice and meat in the game that when they explore it, that there's something interesting for them to find. Um, and then the second of it is like, okay, how do you make it sort of not that they don't hit a brick wall and um that that one is it was really just about thinking about the puzzles and the the progression really carefully like one thing I, I sort of did for the single state and i like to do when i make puzzle games is that each puzzle like the the the, the idea behind the puzzle or the or the principle it's trying to test or if you know you kind of you should be able to like summarize it in like one or two sentences like um this puzzle teaches you about logic mod modules and um, this puzzle tests whether you, whether whether you understand how to combine logic modules to produce other logic modules, things like that, right? And if you if you have a sequence of levels in a game, and you take those sentences you wrote for each of those puzzles and you put it all to a paragraph, it should there should be like a logical flow in that paragraph, right? It should be it should almost be like a narrative of like, you know, first A, then B, then you know C follows after B and so forth. And if the and and if you're putting it all to the paragraph like that, and you see in that, you know that big chunk of text that there's some sort of 
logical gap somewhere, then that's usually a good sign that there's some issue with the the sequence of puzzles that you've you've made and that you might want to rearrange them or add one or two there. And that, that the idea and that's that's sort of the basic idea is that you're converting all the complex you're taking all the complexity of a puzzle, you're boiling it down to the basic essence. And for the basic essence of each puzzle when put next to the puzzle before it and next to the puzzle after it, there should be a logical flow f- from the start to the end. And I think once we had that down then we had a good sort of puzzle sequence that was playable without, you know, feeling like it was going to, you know, be too, too overwhelming for the player. And also, of course, the game has optional puzzles, which sort of helps create peaks and valleys that, you know, can sort of adapt to different players. So players who find it too difficult may, may, may skip the optional puzzles for now, and the players who want a challenge can play the optional puzzles. And yeah, it's really that logical flow that's the most important. Yeah. There it is. Uh, I think uh, identifying and advertising, advertising the logical flow and the underlying concepts and assumptions in that logic. Uh, once that's communicated and the, the player understands that, and they do that by doing, they you demonstrate these all these things, all these abstract things, by them by the player doing them. That that's how it's overcome. That's how you actually get them from nothing, knowing very little or little next to nothing about this concept, to creating some very complex uh, things in order to get a lawnmower working again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the signal state is a very transparent model of cause and effect. How have you mm-hmm. found? communicating to the player how they can manipulate the effect but not the cause so in other words in the game you actually have a prescribed this is uh, again a little bit abstract but you have prescribed sources and you have to go to an out and the out is the effect Uh, they can't change the effect because the effect is what you're trying to get to but you have a lot of means to actually change the cause. Uh, the cause starts with a stat- stated point, but then you can do all sorts of things. You can increase it, you can decrease it, you can turn it on and off again, and do weird and wonderful things. You can divert it and do create crazy things. How have you found that aspect of communication? It's related to the first question, but this is really about what the player can do, not not why they're doing it. Right. Um, I think it's it's it was really important to get the feedback of the game right. Um, okay. You know, making it clear when you've got something wrong and when you've got something right, and making yes. that distinction obvious. Um, so you know, f- the first is the visual aspect. You have the waveform. You know, the the little waveform section there, and you know, we spend a lot of time making sure that the 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 the, the waveforms look right, that they're readable, you know, like, okay, that this is a high value versus low value. What is it, when you get it correct, what does it look like? When you get it wrong, what does it look like? Um, and making that sure that, that that is very clear and legible to the player. But also, you know, it, um, the other thing was, I was thinking about is how sounds could be used as feedback. Because if the game is inspired by synthesizers, then, you know, um, we, we could make sounds that sort of, um, are sort of synchronized to to your signals. So, a lot of the levels have you know v- quasi musical sounds that roughly correlate to like how what your your voltage value output is. You know, a, a high voltage output will have a higher pitch sound, and a low voltage sound will have a lower pitch. A low voltage signal will have a lower vi- low voltage sound, and that makes for something that's kind of satisfying to hopefully to 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 when we get it right. Especially like some of the the earlier puzzles, the the it's it's just counting from one to one hundred. Well, the signals is going to slowly go up, you know. Like, um, was it that that stairs in Mario that has the sound that goes up all the time, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you're just trying to create a sense of anticipation that you, that you got it right, and then when if you do get it wrong, then that wrong sound just completely interrupts it in a way that you know, um, you remember the impact of hopefully. So you want to get that feedback right. It's 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 also it's one of the things that was a challenge actually was getting how do we we need the feedback to that that sort of musical feedback to be sound vaguely musical but at the same time it it still has to be um, 
it still has to has a, a logical cor- connection to the actual signals that you that you have, right? So a high signal value should have a high pitch sound, and a low signal value has a low pitch sound. But then maybe that might not sound musical. So um, it, it's just a really delicate balance of how do we make it make sense logically, but still sound vaguely nice and not like clash with the music. And you know, so the the sounds you hear there there um, they they follow the 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 melodic scale, or whichever track that's playing, and then for each specific puzzle and each specific um, background so- sound you hear, um, the, the has a different melodic scale. And so we change the melodic scale that's using on a per level basis. So it, it syncs with the music. It doesn't sound too jarring. And then the, when you get an error sound, the, the error sounds intentionally dissonant so that you definitely pay attention to it. And that, you know, makes, hopefully makes the process of solving the puzzle feel a bit more satisfying. And you also know when you definitely got it right. And when you definitely got it wrong. Yeah. This, is it a key change? I'm not sure. It sounds like a more of a an octave lower or two. I don't think it's a key change because it becomes too uh, discordant then, doesn't it? It's 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 not a key change. It's no. like a dissonance. It's like a yeah. note that's not the melodic scale that's being yeah. used by the current song. And sometimes I will have two two notes that are like just a semitone apart, and then and, that's very dissonant. And from that, you then demonstrate that yeah, this is all the effect that you're messing with, but we need it yeah. to match the you know. This, this, sorry, this is the cause you're messing with. I need you to match that with the effect. And it has to be matching all the way along, by the way, not just at the end. Uh, you know, yeah. it can't be any means. It has to be this specific means that it gets to this final, because it's a whole scale of one to what have you. And yeah. Uh, there's, there's, yeah. Some, yeah. there's some puzzles where, y- you know, the obvious solution, or at least like the, the thing that you might na- naturally think of doing would would be the the signal that you're outputting will be all correct, but then like at time step number thirty something or whatever, yeah. it'll be wrong for just one time yeah. step because one of one edge step. case. Yeah, and hopefully that you know hearing the pleasant musical melody for like thirty time steps and you think you got it right and you get it wrong just one time step, that that is um you know enough of a impact on a slight frustration moment, but like a good yeah. frustration that makes you realize that hey that you're not quite there yet. You know. There are there are times when I was yelling at the screen, going, "Look, my brain doesn't work like this," uh, <laughs> and that's common. I understand uh, for reading reviews and stuff like. Initially, you just think, "No one's brain works like this. This is just I have to think in a very odd way." This is turns out not. This is how you. This is it's a wonderful teaching tool on on critical thinking and and all that sort of stuff. All these abstract terms that people yeah. really don't understand. And it's just saying, look, this is an effect. This is a thing that you, you're trying to get to, you know, an effect. So just try You can manipulate the cause, but, you know, that's fantastic stuff. It really is. So, my, my, yeah, my favorite is on sometimes because we have a Discord where people can ask for help. Um, uh-huh. When people go on, they go into Discord and they'll be like, how do I do this? I don't know how to do this. I, yeah. I can figure it out. Yeah. And then five minutes later, come back like, never mind, I figured it out. Yes. And that. It's, always, yeah. it's always so fun to see that. So funny. I did it to myself. Five minutes earlier, <laughs> I was yelling, I can't fit my brain. A amount of times I would strip the board down from going back to like, no, this is all rubbish. Start again. And uh, it's like, this is not possible. I know it was because that's, that's like, my brain just can't. And then like five, two or three minutes later, oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just doing it out of order again. Trying having to think backwards. Now, my next question: When trying to solve a board, I call them boards. I'm not sure what they're not sure what they reference, but they are basically a a, a circuit yeah. that you're trying to solve in the signal state. There are a lot of tools that the player uh, has available to them to produce the appropriate output. Yeah. Can you talk us through how you design them? Now, I think your answers be, Chris, have you seen a synthesizer? But <laughs> I'd just like you to... I know they're based on synthesizers, but they're not 100% because there's there's an alteration because the conceit of the game requires it. So they're, in some cases, simplified or, or not, as the case may be. So can you talk us through the design of the tools that are available to the player to get the appropriate signal out? Yeah, so it, it is based on modular synths, and... Ultimately, it, it's it the 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 modules that you have in the game arise from the the um arise from the, the problems that come about when you're working with modular synths. So in in my in the time that I have you know been 
I, I've had my modular synth and I have been making music with it, right? I start, I, I've started to notice certain patterns about the way I think about them or like the certain sort of problems that I, that I encounter and those sort of eventually translate into specific puzzles, right? And then when it came, when I started thinking about these puzzles and started thinking about, okay, how I solve them in the mo- in actual modular synth, and then I start, that's where I th- think think about how these specific modules um, are used um, in, in different ways to, 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 um, to, to solve those problems. Like, so like one of the puzzles in the game is you make a drum beat using cl- a clock, you know, clocks, clock modules and some logic. And, you know, that was directly based off of a, um, a, a YouTube video by a, 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 a YouTuber called Mylar Melodies who does like modular synth videos. And he shows, you know, in actual modular synths, you can use some clock modules and some logic to make an actual drum beat. So you don't have to use a drum machine or a sequencer, right? You can use it using this, these very basic components. And so it, the, the modules arose f- from the, the, the problems themselves. And obviously it's, it's, it's not as simple as just directly recreating those modules in, 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 in the game. Um, they've, there've been a lot of tweaks in terms of how their behavior works. And also one of the things that I, um, it was kind of obvious in retrospect, but I didn't think of it first was the names of the modules, because, um, in, in, in the world of modular sense, there's certain things that, you know, have, are, you know, have works in way, work certain ways that are similar to other things in other worlds. So there's a module called, there are modules called molds, for instance, in modular sense, and they just take a signal and then they duplicate it into like multiple signals. So you can have one, you know, one sound signal and you duplicate it to multiple outputs that go to elsewhere. And it's called a molt because it's short for multiple. But like in, in you know, your average person would not know what a molt is. No. They they will they would think of they'll probably think of like a headphone splitter or something like that. So we re- renamed the module, which was originally called Malt. We called it Split, you know. And and um in you know uh, the module called Sum was originally called Mix because that's that's what a mixer does. It basically sums together multiple audio signals. But then if some people think of it, if you if you have a module called Split or you have a mod, then you might want to think of it more mathematically and not think about you know mixers. Then you might then so we called it Sum. To, to, which makes the, its its use case a bit more obvious, and it it was just a it was just a question of like okay, we have these problems, the interesting problems based in the module listening world. What are the modules that help you solve those problem, or, or, or overcomplicate the problem for that matter? And then we we re, we are recreating some those modules in the game, but then we're tweaking some of their behaviors as well as some of their names and the the, the design and their layouts to make them more obvious to people who might not have used modular synth. So some of the behaviors in the game don't directly translate to how actual modules work, but they're they're close enough that they're the basic principle is there. Um, because you know in actual module synths they can be a lot more complex. And yeah, it's that sort of balancing act. I think it's really, really elegant how you've done this because you're right. The, the one, the earlier basic ones, you could have just used the terminology from that industry or from that for, um, yeah. from synthesizers. But again, it's, it's its own lexicon, its own sort of um, uh, set of terms which come from another place because they're there to. It's all related to the effect. The effect being a sound. You're mm-hmm. not trying to make a sound here. You're trying to make a lawnmower work <laughs> or, yeah. or light a barn or something, okay? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't correlate. So what you're trying to do is actually try to restart all these, rewire and bypass all these components so they're not going through these broken components. That's how I perceive it to be. Um, so yeah, it's, you're, it's, yeah. It's kind of related to how we were talking about earlier about like programming textbooks, right? Yeah. That they kind of contextualize the thing they're teaching. Well, the names also contextualize what is being taught. So the names yes. sometimes have to change, you know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, the sum one is really, that was one of the ones that was profound for me. Like, so I'm doubling this now because <laughs> I use a splitter <laughs> on the same thing. And then I sort of they use a splitter alongside a sum. And I went, there you go, I've doubled it. But I don't want to double it. I want to, anyway. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that was one of the sort of like an hour and a bit in, I think. I was like, oh, okay. Um, this one's interesting. I need to, do, I know what I need to do, but I need to do it in the right order. And the names of the tools and the, how, design, how they've been designed is so informative. And that's why I wanted to ask you about them because you, you're clearly given it a lot of thought. And it, I believe it works for what, you know, so. Uh, 
I was quite yeah. impressed yeah. with that. Last Thanks. question, then. Um, we haven't really talked about the backstory of the signal state. We've hinted at it, but let's talk about it now because we can't not talk about the story of the signal state um, without because it would give the game a disservice. It's it presents the player as being uh, a worker of some sort in a um, a faction of people who are trying to rebuild society after. Everything just stopped working. The machines stopped working. Yeah. No one knows why, but they did stop. At least initially, no one knows why. But apparently, people do. And you're you seem to be recruited by these people, and you're doing things because they're telling you to do them. And you, I feel like you're being manipulated. The players, the players' character is being manipulated by these people to do things that if he knew what he was doing, probably wouldn't, or he, they were doing. They may not do it. Who knows? But they're very sort of circumspect. With like, whenever you, because there's dialogue trees where you can actually ask questions between each mission, between each board that you solve, and they go, "Why am I doing this? Oh, reasons." <laughs> you know, you know, what's this about? Why is this not? How is it not working? Things that's outside my pay scale. Dirt. Just not worry. Just don't worry about it. You just, you just carry on doing what you do. really good. You're very good at this. Very, very good. Well done. It's just all the traditional manipulative language. It's very clever. And uh, I'm not going to go any further because I don't want to spoil it because it goes into very interesting places. And you start having relationships with different people that uh, you encounter. Uh, how have you found... I just What I was sort of getting to the point is what, how did you manage to mirror the emotions of the player as they're playing puzzles with the story and the character that they're they're playing as? Because it feels that they're being they there there's a, there's a game there's a system there that knows way more than the player does, and the player is just be trying to find out what's going on. Is that was that a deliberate thing? I mean, I'm assuming it was that you made a story that mirrors the game experience itself. Yeah, I mean, to some extent, it was deliberate because it, it was it arose from, you know, the natural need of, like, synchronizing the story with the puzzles. Yeah. Which was in itself really challenging because the moment you, you might write some story stuff and then um, you change the puzzle sequence because playtesting shows that this puzzle is a bit too complicated or you need to add another puzzle in between and suddenly the story is thrown out of whack, you know, with the actual sequence of puzzles they have. So... Um, you know, it, it was just a question of we we kind of we the 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 puzzle sequences are sort of broken up into chunks. Um, so there's a certain so a certain starting chunk that's sort of sort of fixed in stone because that teaches the basic base mechanics, and then okay, we're probably not going to change that. Then there's a secondary second chunk that it's like here it gets a bit more complicated, but not too complicated, and we kind of got a logical flow with that. Then maybe a third chunk where you know, it gets really crazy and really hairy in terms of the sort of puzzles that you're, you're facing. And I think that sort of naturally coincides with like a three-act structure or something like that. And so it, it made sense to then have, we'll, we'll start off with like, okay, at the, this puzzle and that puzzle, there'll be like natural checkpoints in the story of like this, you know, this turning point will happen here and that turning point will happen here. And from there, you can sort of sort of fill in the gaps of like, this is how that flow from this turning point to that next turning point will happen. And you're looking at the same time as I'm writing these dialogues for each individual puzzles, you're looking back at the puzzle and seeing what the puzzle is exactly because the, a lot of the dialogues talk about what happens in the actual puzzle. So you need to do that in a practical level, but also, yeah, it gives you a sense of like, what is the level of complexity here? And, you know, if it's particularly complex, then you want to give the player a bit more knowledge about what's happening in the story so that um, that also acts as a bit of a sort of extrinsic reward and also it logically flows from the complexity of the things that they're doing in the game. It does. It does. I think it's a fantastic compliment to... Because one of the things that spurs you, spurred me on was, what's going on? Why are these people behaving so strangely? Uh, why are they being so circumspect with what I'm doing? Yeah. Uh, why am I, I doing think... this? Why am I in this form? Why do we need another farm? We've already got one, etc. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I think that was partly to sort of subvert the typical expectations that you know they will turn out to be bad people. Because like I wanted this to be a sort of vaguely 
cyberpunk sort of feel, but then it's not a there's not a pessimistic one, you know. It's it's meant to be kind of optimistic. So the people you are, you know, you work with, you know, they're they're not like the the main villains of the story or anything like that. No, no, no. it's yeah. Um, sorry, just spoils, just spoils it a bit, maybe. Yeah, maybe, but uh, it's still questions. You know, there's there's many, there's many. So yeah. A signal State, which is developed by uh, Regna Industries. It's a wonderful name. Where does it come from? No, is it just, uh, just the thing you sort of plucked out of your head? Um, Reckoner is a song by Radiohead. It is? Um, yes, it is probably my favorite song from Radiohead. But, I mean, there's there's a lyric in that song which is um, dedicated to all human beings. And, like, it, it res- that, that, that lyric re- resonates with me because isn't that what all art is? It's dedicated to all human beings. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, yeah, that just seemed like a... An, if you're going to make a, a studio-making games which are art you know it seems like a good name to have to remind you of what you're doing yeah that's a wonderful inspiration nice and um according to steam it says it's published by the iterative collective and indie nova is that correct yes yes so yeah iterative collective is our main publisher and indie nova they're sort of um they're they're the publisher in china so they they, Ah, they manage the, the chinese side of things cool okay and the platforms, I'm very careful about this because I've got in trouble before, but according <laughs> to Steam, it says it's on Windows, PC, and Mac OS. Is that right? That's correct. Yay, you got we, it right. We do have some players who are playing it on Linux via Proton as well. Apparently right. it works quite well for most people, so you, nice. know, you can still get a shot if you're on Linux. Yeah, it helps me out. I've got okay, my main PC, or my gaming PC, of course it is a PC, but I do have a laptop and it's a Mac, so there you go. Works close for me. Excellent stuff. It's almost if you made it for me. That's not true, but uh, <laughs> um, Benedict, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah it's been you, fun to talk. Yes, I, I really just got, got on some, some really fantastic subjects there. Things that are not often spoken about, uh, not nearly enough in my view. And uh, thank you very much for your time and for chatting so eloquently about The Signal State, which is an ex- exceptional yeah. game. I did tweet about it before I came on saying it's rivaling threes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, saw, I saw your tweet. Thank you yeah, very much for that. That's right, because threes, I managed to get through this entire episode without saying it, and here I am saying it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, it is uh, it is quite a thing. It really, really uh, triggers certain uh, neurons in my brain in a, in a good way. But uh, yeah, you're more than welcome to come back. If, if you yeah, maybe the, maybe you're not. yeah, yeah, maybe I'll be the new record holder for how many times I've been on. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Uh, but be a challenge. The, it will be a challenge. Uh, but uh, we'll be here. Trust me, we'll be here. Uh, in the meantime, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, caneandrinse.com. <laughs>